So Sam, let's get right into it, man. Let's go. You know, so I did a little bit of research on you. Uh oh. Oh man, man. <laughs> I hope not too much. <laughs> no, this is just a tad bit. All you right. Know, Google's my best friend. Special guest, Sam Bakhtiar. He came from Iran as a refugee and moved to the United States. And over the last five years, he's created a multi-million dollar franchise, literally transforming this world with people who have their health challenge. I know one of the biggest things in this world is our health that we gotta focus on. And he has over 110 franchises to prove it. And in the next few years, he's going to 500 locations. Let's learn what is the, in the mindset of someone who came from Iran as a refugee during the war and building a $52 million company in the last five years. Welcome to Progression Show. Thank you for being on the show, Thank Sam. you for having me. And so I learned that you were originally from Iran, right? Yes, correct. So mm -hmm. take me through that experience, you coming from Iran and then going to France, going to Pennsylvania, then to California. Wow, man. Well, we, you know, I was born in Tehran, Iran, the capital city. And um, when I was three, we, w we went to war with Iraq. Oh, wow. You know, Saddam Hussein, guy you might know, you know, was bombing on us, started bombing on us. Every night we hear the bombs and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, you know, planes flying over and you hear bomb, bam, 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 and you see anti-air missiles. It looked like Disney now, but except it was war, mm. right? And um, then um, my mom, you know, said, you know what, I don't want my son to die because I was, you know, this, now I'm 11 years old. She goes, you know, mom, I don't want my, my son to die. Let's get out of the country. And we couldn't come straight to America because America and Iran didn't have a relationship. Oh, they had a very gotcha. bad relationship. I don't know if you remember, in, in 1978, you know, they had American hostages, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a bad time. And so we moved to France. We migrated to France as refugees of war. Okay. We stayed in France for a year. And then we came to America as refugees of war in 1985. Well, did you learn French while you were in France? Yes. Yeah, so you, know, you know, when you're a kid, one year in a, in a foreign country, you pick it up. Yeah, so parlez-vous français? Oui. Okay, oui. okay, word. Yeah. Okay. I do speak. Okay, and yeah. then, so you, you spent a year in France, then you moved to the United States. Yeah, I spent a year in France. You know, we were in, like, like government housing. Why not stay in France? Well, you know, we want to come to a land of opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, and we didn't have any relatives in France. We, we had an uncle that lived in the United States, gotcha. my, my mom's brother. And so we came to America, you know, to a little town called Sharon, Pennsylvania. Okay. You know, because my, um, my mom's brother, Ali, you know, he went to Youngstown State University. Gotcha. You know, so he graduated and he opened up a convenience store. So we went to, you know, we came to Sharon, Pennsylvania, and that's the only place we knew where to go because that's the only relative we had. So your first stop was Sharon. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then now in Sharon, what, how old were you at this time? I was 11 years old, 11, you know, I, I was almost 12. I was 11 years old. You know, when I was coming to America, I was doing my research, just like you were doing research on me. I was doing my research, but my research to America was watching American television shows. Okay. You know, so in France, I was watching all the American television shows, like the A-Team, Dallas, and Dynasty. I was gonna show you my age, you know, and I was looking at the, those shows. I'm like, man, everybody in America is super rich. They have like Cadillacs and mansions and Olympic sized swimming pools. I thought I was coming to a country where everybody was multimillionaire. That's what mm. my thought was. Okay. You know what I mean? You know, unfortunately, like, you know, in the, tele in in the television shows, they don't show you the hood of America. Right. Right. right? So it was a rude awakening because when I got to Pittsburgh Airport, my uncle picked us up and we went straight 
to the worst neighborhood of Sharon, Pennsylvania, which my uncle had a convenience store. I'm talking about in the middle of the hood. Wow. You know, in the middle of it's called Idaho Street. Okay. Idaho Street is a brick road. It doesn't, it's not even paved. There is signs on the street that says no solicitation, don't hang around, or you get arrested by just, you know, just if you're just hanging around the neighborhood, you get arrested. There's abandoned buildings. This is 1985, where all the steel mills are shut down, you know, and there is a crack cocaine epidemic. So, so you're coming, you're coming to, to Sharon, and this was your first experience of the United States. Yeah, it was a shock. Did you shock. feel like you got scammed? Bro, I did. I, 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 I honestly did because I'm looking at like I said Dallas Dynasty. I'm looking at people living in Beverly Hills. You know, I'm looking at Beverly, you know people living in Dallas in mansions. Right. Also, and I come to Sharon, Pennsylvania, where it's brick roads, abandoned buildings. You know, pimps, hoes, and prostitutes in the street. You know, and you know, I, I, I was shocked. I, I was literally shocked. You know, and um, how did you feel? I was like, is this America? Like, I mean, he was like, I'm like, this is this is kind of crazy. You felt kind of bad. I felt like. Like you said, I, I'm like, I felt like I got scammed. I felt like they showed me one thing and they represented the, the something, something else. Right. Because I honestly thought, you know, I was coming to, you know, Beverly Hills or Newport Beach or Costa Mesa. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I thought, you know, and, um, and that's where I came. Gotcha. Oh, wow. That's powerful, man, because that's your first experience in the U.S. So now we're here in your beautiful home, and yeah. I, I even did some research yeah. on the home. $3.2 million for yeah, this home, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah, correct. And so how do you go from Sharon, Pennsylvania, to a th living in a $3.2 million home, owning 15 cars, and many of them exotic? Yeah. Well, man, it, it's been a long road. You know, mm -hmm. it's been a long road. I, you know, ever since I could remember, you know, I didn't want to be average. Yeah. You know, I love the title of your book. You know, ever since I can remember, you know, ever since I was three, four years old, I looked at myself and said, I just don't want to be like everybody else. Right. You know, I want to have a nicer home. I want to have a nicer house. And there's nothing, I just want to, you know, it has, it's not about material things. I want to become, I want to progress. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And ever since I remember, you know, I was infatuated, you know, as a little kid, I was infatuated with three things, ever since I remember. And that was cars, you know, I was playing with little cars and little things, you know. I was, you know, infatuated with sports. And ever since I was a little kid, I was infatuated with pretty women. I swear to God, so I was four years old. I was looking at her, and I'm like, God, she looks good. I didn't know why I was looking at her, yeah, but yeah. It was, it, it, I was infatuated. You know? and, and when so I, it, was, it was internal. Internal. That, that this was inevitable. And, 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 I mean, I, I didn't know if this was, this was inevitable because growing up, we struggled. Uh, you know, you know, I didn't have a dad. My dad and my mom separated when I was three. I never saw him again. We came to Sharon, Pennsylvania, you know, very, very poor neighborhood. You know, we grew up on food stamps, Section 8 housing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. If my mom heard me, heard this podcast, she'll go off on me because she'll never admit that. Hmm. She's a proud old Persian lady. And every time I talk about that, she goes, you shouldn't tell people that. Hmm. And I said, Mom, that's inspiring people. You, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. You know, Mom, don't be ashamed of being at food stamps. You know, this is the reality, you know. But she goes, we shouldn't be telling them that. You know, you know, I did my best with you. You did your best. That's not a problem. That's, that's, that, that's, that's what I mean. But, you know, so in, in our culture, in our country, you know, they, they have a saying that, you know, to make your face red, slap yourself. It kind of means like, hey, front. How do you say it in the, the actual language? Um, oh, gosh, how do you say it in, 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 in language? Siri Suratsu Sorokon. Siri Suratsu Sorokon. Yeah, yeah. So basically means slap yourself and make your face red. Okay. You know what I mean? So basically means that if you don't got it front, you don't got ever it. admit 
don't ever admit that you're poor or you're, you're just not, in, in our culture, it's like a bad thing. Now, do you believe in that? I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. I just think that, you know, instead of fronting, tell people what, you know, you know, here's what I don't believe in. If you're going through something, don't go out there and tell everyone about it and, and make drama out of it. Instead, work through it, conquer it, and they'll tell people the story of how you conquered it. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, for example, if I'm going through something right now, and I am, I'm all, you know, I am going through something right now, right? I'm not going to get on social media and say, oh, look at me, poor me, poor me, look at what I'm going through, oh my God, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? I don't want nobody feeling bad for me. Right. What I'll do is I get into it, I put an action plan together, I will overcome it, and then later on, I'll tell you how I overcame it and, and be able to inspire you and be able to do that. You know, in, in, in our country, in our upbringing, in our culture, you know, struggles are bad. Yeah. Don't show people that you're struggling. You know, and I think that's, a, that's not a good thing. You know, I think but your should, struggle. But should they show while they're going through it? Well, I mean. I mean or, for, or limit how much it's seen? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you should avoid the drama of while you're going through it. Okay. You know, but once you go through it and you conquer it, then pave, pave the way for other people and show how you conquered it, how overcome it, how they can conquer it too. Gotcha. Does that make sense? That makes a lot you know, of you sense. Know, for, for me, I, you know, for me, I always look at it as, let's just say something tra tragic happens to you right now, right? What are you going to do? You're going to post it all on social media? What, what, what are they going to do for you? Can they prevent it? Can they reverse it? Can they help you? No, they cannot. Mm. Right? So if somebody cannot help you do something, all you're going to do is cause drama, make other people worry, and there's not, there's not going to be a better solution to, to what just happened. Right. You know what I mean? So why cause drama? Why upset other people? You know, go through it, get through it, and show people later on how you get through it, how they can come through it too. You know what I mean? So, so a lot of times, man, people are like, oh my God, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, subscribe to that. Gotcha. So I know one thing that you were infatuated with was sports that you shared. Yes. Did you play any sports at a, at a young age? <laughs> Ever since I can remember, I played football. Okay. You know, not American football. Football as the world knows, football. Football, which, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, you. football. And that's a funny story. You know, you, know, um, you know, when I came to the United States, I was 11, almost 11, 12 years old. I went to the guidance counselor. First of all, when I walked into school, it was, you know, it was like a Michael Jackson's Beat It video. No joke. I was the only minority that town has ever seen in 1985, mm. in the middle of nowhere, America, Sharon. I walked in, there was black people, there was white people, and there was fucking Sam. So they were like, what? They were like this, what is you? It was like black people on this side, they're like, is that one of us? White people on here, is that one of us? You know, black people here had the LL Cool J jackets on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's true. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and, and the white people had the ACDC Metallica jackets on. What, like, you, what was you rocking? I ain't rocking nothing. I was rocking Michael Jackson. Okay. That's all I knew. You know, that's all all right. I, mean, I knew Michael Jackson. And they're like, Michael Jackson? No, 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 you know what I mean? You know, so I was, I, I just, I was coming in there and then they were like looking at me like, like all weird. I didn't speak the language. My clothes was different, you know, they, you know. And I went to the guys' car, so I, I said, I want to play football. Yeah, football. I'm like, Dude, this country is weird. This is the foot and this is the ball. And my, my English is not that good, but I know what the foot and the ball is. They're like, no, that's called soccer. We don't have a soccer team. Mm. So, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, so I didn't know nothing about baseball. To this day, I don't know what baseball is about. I just know you have to hit the ball. I don't even know why some, some games have innings or something. I don't even know nothing about that. You know, I think it's boring. Did you, play, did you end up playing soccer when you got here? No, because they didn't have a team. So you didn't play any soccer? No, so, so, I, so that's what I'm saying. So, they, 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 so I, I, I didn't know nothing about baseball. I didn't know nothing about football. So at least I've seen basketball before. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try for the basketball team. 
I ain't never played basketball. At least I knew the object, the object is to put the ball in the hoop. Right. So I'm like, how hard can that be? So I, got, I tried out for the basketball team in eighth grade. They sat me on the bench. They're like, okay, if we call you out, you know, if I call your name, you made it. If I didn't call you, you didn't make it. Basically, everybody made the team except me. The dude named Dan Candiotti, who had triple bifocals on, couldn't even see the ball, he made the team, and I didn't make the team. I literally went home two miles in the snow, walked, cried my eyes out, and told my mom, I want to go back. I hate this country. Nobody likes me. I don't have the sport. You know, you know, you know all the kids making fun of me. And my mom goes, no, that's not an option. The option is you go over to the boys' club after school, get better. I pick you up at five after I get off work, and we'll do this. We'll try it next year. So that was our game plan. So every, every day, I walked to the boys' club, which was a mile away from the high school, you know, and I went and, um, and I went to practice basketball. Mm. But while I was going to practice basketball, I seen these guys walking around like this, you know, they're all like big old guys. Big yeah, big jocks walking around. I'm like, man, that guy looks like Arnold and, you know, Rocky and all that kind of stuff. I wonder what that room is. So I went to this room upstairs, and um, I saw a bunch of big, big old dudes lifting weights, cussing at each other, listening to a radio, you know, their boombox, mm -hmm. you know, slapping each other, chewing tobacco, spitting. I'm like, I was a little scrawny, awkward kid. You know, I looked at him like, man, I was like, this guy's gonna eat me. So I waited till they leave, and after they leave, I would go upstairs and start lifting over the weights. I didn't even know what I was doing. I dropped the weights so many so times on my chest. how old when this happened? This was like 13. So 13, you start lifting? Yeah. To create now, that was the starting point. Was that the starting point that was, for what that, you created now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and you see all by accident because I want to play soccer. The only reason I didn't play soccer was because I didn't have a team and I got cut from the basketball team. So if I didn't get cut from the basketball team, I wouldn't have done this. Mm. It just led me to it. You see, you see how you're connecting the dots now, yeah. right? Because all the tragedy that's ha happened to my life, and I look back, all the tragic things that happened in my life made me better. It's like God pushed me to a place I didn't want to go because he had my back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shoot, that's powerful. You know, like, like he's like, I don't want to go there, I want to go there, I want to go there. And God is pushing you and like, I don't want to go there, God, don't take me there, don't take me there. And then when you take me there, I'm like, oh man, thank you. Wow. You know, everything. So then, so you go through that experience, now you're working out and you're lifting weights. At what point did you transition to come to Cali? So I started working out, man. I started working out, and after a couple of months, I started developing like what I call little baby muscles. You know what baby muscles are? What's baby muscles? Baby muscles are muscles that you can only tell on yourself. Nobody can tell on you. You think you got muscles, but nobody can tell. Mm. You only see them, right? So I'm in front of a mirror, man. I'm, 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 you know, I literally, here's what I'm doing. My mom gave me $20 a week allowance for lunch. I'm not buying lunch. I'm going to GNC. Buying the latest vitamin. I'm doing one set of workout. I between say I'm popping a pill. I'm flexing. You know what I mean? Like, what happened to me? You know what's between the set. You know, you know what's my you know what's my major theme song back then? And to this day is what? my major theme song. Cool Mo D. How you like me now? Okay. You know, because I was like this. I was working left to this. How you like me now? How you like me now? How you like? I would do a set, pop a pop a amino acid pill. Look at that. How you like me now? You know what I mean? And um, and so I started becoming infatuated with how it made me feel on the outside, mm. but also what it did for my self-esteem. You know, because when I was going to school, nobody liked me, I didn't have any friends, I didn't belong to any one group. See, as a human, all we want to do is belong. Yeah. Right? You know, I didn't have that. I didn't have that when I came to America. I wasn't well, who, black, who, I wasn't who white. Who were you rolling with? I wasn't rolling with anybody, I was rolling by myself. And there was a couple of kids that were like befriending me and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, you know, but now, I'm starting feeling better about myself 
And now people are coming up to me because I've better, you know, I, I feel more sure of myself. I feel better of myself. I feel stronger. So you were confident. Yes, I'm becoming more confident. He helped me become more confident. Were you, so were you always confident, or because no, you were working out? No, because I started working out, I started getting more. I got stronger. I got more confident. You know, I started having a little pep in my step. Mm. You know, you know, girls started noticing me. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, girl coming to me, Sam. Oh, you looking good? Like, yeah. Yeah, man. Now, 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 now I'm six foot five, not five <laughs> foot five. You know what I mean? I like you know, that. You know, and uh, so now that's right there and then I knew that this is what I want to do, right? So I started, you know, basically picking up every book, every magazine. I started being infatuated with how I can become stronger, faster, leaner, you know, and I studied that. And, and my mom always said, Sam, being an old school Persian, Middle Eastern lady, the only thing, there's only three things you can be in life to be successful, doctor, lawyer, engineer. It's like a Persian thing, you know, tell you. You need to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. You mm -hmm. know, if you're not a doctor, lawyer, engineer, they don't care if you make $10 million, you're still a peasant because they need the title. I can relate you know, to that. You know, so, um, so, and my mom walked away and said, you know, I prefer a doctor. So ever since I was a little kid, she instilled that in me. So when I was growing up, I, you know, getting ready to graduate, I'm like, I gotta become a doctor. I'm like, well, I don't wanna do surgery, I wanna see blood. You know, I don't wanna drill somebody's teeth. So I researched, I'm like, what doctor has to do with muscles, bones, and nutrition? Mm. You know, things that I like to do. And there was doctor of chiropractic. Mm. So I went to Penn State, I got my pre-med and nutrition degree. You know, while I was going to Penn State, you know, I was working as a personal trainer. I started bodybuilding. I started doing bodybuilding shows, started winning bodybuilding shows. And then I graduated from Penn State and I moved to Los Angeles um, for Los Angeles College of Chiropractic. And I did my- Did you move there specifically for school or because you had the desire to be in LA at, at such a young age? So, there, so two, there's two reasons. One is I was a move to Iowa because Iowa was the, the, the two top chiropractic schools were Palmer in Iowa and Los Angeles College of Chiropractic in Los Angeles. Okay. And I had, aunts and uncles that were in LA now. Okay. So I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to Iowa. I, I visited you know, California before. I'm going to sunny California. And I went here and I came to Los Angeles College of Chiropractic and, and graduated in December of 1999 with my doctor degree. Powerful, so you're a doctor, Sam Bakhtiar. Yes. And so when, when you got here, did you experience the life that you eventually wanted when you were young? When I got here in California? When you got here in California. No, so I got here to California. You know, I graduated, you know. Did you make it to Beverly Hills? Oh, yeah. Well, I, man, I, there's two places I wanted to go, you know. I wanted to go to Beverly Hills, and I wanted to go to Compton. You know, and, and I'll tell you why. Because growing up, you know, we listened to NWA. You, yeah. know, you know, straight out of a Compton. Oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania bumping that. I'm like, what is this Compton place? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? I got to go to Compton. You know what I mean? I got to go see what's going on. I told a couple of my friends, I'm going, they're like, what are you doing going to Compton? I have a picture of me and my old Toyota riding through Compton. It said, welcome to Compton. I parked my car there, took a picture, sent it to everybody back in Pennsylvania. I'm in Compton. You know, okay. like, and then I went to Beverly Hills and, 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 and checked out Beverly Hills. And I was just shocked. First of all, when I was driving here, in Pennsylvania, if the speed limit is 65 and you do 67, you're gonna get pulled over. Mm. I was coming to California, you know, I, I packed my car, drove to California. I'm doing like 70, 75, which in Pennsylvania, you'd be in big trouble. And I got people flipping me off and get out of my way, you do 75, man, get out of the street. People doing 85, 90 on the freeway. Cops coming, passing me, I'm doing 75, I'm like, I'm gonna get pulled over. I'm doing 75, cop pass me, don't even look at me. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, this is a whole different pace. Mm. I remember going to South Coast Plaza Mall. And where I'm from is so poor that if you drove a Honda Accord or anything better, you're either a known doctor or a lawyer, or if you're young, you were a drug dealer, and you got pulled over and got searched. That's the kind of, you know, 
uh, place that I come from. And I came to South Coast Plaza to go to the mall. My mind was blown. I saw, I saw Bentleys, Rolls Royces, Ferraris, Jags, Beamers, Benzes. You know, and I'm going like, what? I remember a man, I didn't even go to the mall. I literally was outside in the parking lot looking inside of these cars because I was just infatuated. Like, if a cop would have came by, he would have probably thought I was trying to break in or something because I was literally inside of these cars, like salivating at the interior yeah. and look at the rims and, and all that kind of stuff. And then once I made it to the mall, you know, I went like, looked at like, I went to like, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue and I'm looking at the prices and oh my God, a t shirt, $70. Oh my God, like, my t shirt's like $10 max. Speaking of cars, when, when I was driving here to come do the interview, I saw a Rolls Royce outside and I connected, I very much connect with your story. I was 16 years old on the East Coast and I'm, I'm from the smallest state in Rhode Island in the smallest city. My city was one square mile. Wow. And I, I was at my mom's house with my laptop and my stomach laying down on the bed watching videos of Beverly Hills and, and seeing the Rolls Royce. I said, man, I want to buy this house for my mom. And I found the house at 7.9 million on North Canyon Drive. And then I said, a Rolls Royce, I see that for my future. I'm gonna go out there to Los Angeles and create it. And that's when I made the decision to move from Rhode Island to, to California. Now, I mean, your car is outside. And as I was driving, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh my goodness, this car is amazing. <laughs> can we go check it out? You know what, we can do better, man. Why don't you go drive it? Let's go drive it. Can we go drive it? Let's do it. Let's do it, baby. Right, let's, let's do, do it. it. You know, if you are a single man, you know, and, I'll tell you, you know, keep working. Keep working. Keep working. You so know, what should the single man or the single woman be doing? You know, they can't have the same routine that you have. And I think that's like one of the false positives about asking, you know, millionaires, <laughs> hey, what's your routine look like? Because you're, you're already established. I earned it. Right. I've earned it. But, but, but the way I earned it was to work around the clock. And to this day, look, what day is Saturday, right? You know, most people say, no, I don't want to do an interview Saturday. I don't want to do anything Saturday. I don't want to do anything like that. But I want to do this.